Higher Education in America is in trouble. We welcome Dr. Stanley K. Ridgely to talk about this critical situation. Welcome to Saving America, and this is your host, Dr. David D. Schein. Dr. Stanley K. Ridgely is clinical full professor of management at Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. That's in Philadelphia, next door to where I went to college. He is a former military intelligence officer. He received the George S. Patton Award for leadership from the Seventh Army NCO Academy. In addition to his teaching, uh, Dr. Ridgely lectures widely in the United States and internationally. He's a frequent contributor to national media, including Newsmax, which I'm a regular viewer of, by the way, and American Greatness. He's here today to talk about his new book, Brutal Minds, the Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities. We welcome him for his first appearance on Saving America. Thanks a lot, David. It's good to be here. It's a, it's a real pleasure, and I'm delighted to talk about the uh, issues that are at the forefront of many uh, of our conversations and, and our public discourse on our universities. There's a, it's a complex set of problems, but I do believe that Brutal Minds goes a long way in, in tackling some of the most salient. Sounds like a winner, and that's why we've, uh, we've invited you today to answer our infamous three, qu three questions for saving America. So number one, what do you see as the current problems with higher education in America? Well, you know, that's a, that's a really broad-based question. It provides me with a lot of latitude. Um, but I will say that the university, uh, universities and colleges in the United States have a lot of problems that are endemic to you know, any large organization, but that's not really what I think is being asked here. I think, what are the problems with higher education that impact uh, the stakeholders, you know, students, parents, donors, alumni? And I think that that's a very uh, concrete set of problems that may surprise, the answers to which may surprise some people. Most often we think of the old liberal conservative divide with regard to the faculty and how universities are so far canted to the left with regard to the faculty. Well, that's kind of ho-hum stuff now. We all know that. What is unique now about today's issues is the problem is really not with the faculty. Sure, we have our gadfly left-wing faculty that, and they do all kinds of crazy things. The real problem in higher education now is the bureaucracy. And when I say the word bureaucracy, eyes kind of glaze over. But no, this bureaucracy is an identifiable group of people on every college campus, university in America that has a uh, desire and an ideology to undermine the university as we know it. The university as we know it, we cherish it, is as a repository of, of hard-won knowledge, is a repository of the best that has been thought and said, passed on to future generations, right? Um, and of course, there's the project of knowledge generation with the sci utilizing the scientific method, you know, reason, logic, scientific method, human humanism, and progress. Well, that is our vision of the university now. The groups of people I've talked about the, in the bureaucracy, identifiable, naming names um, and their motivation has a very different view of the university and they are working actively to undermine the substance of the university and its structure today and transform that. In fact, <clears throat> excuse me, their motto is boldly transforming higher education. And this is a group of bureaucrats that's outside the purview of the faculty. That I see is the main problem that faces us in the university, I'm as a faculty member, parents, students, and concerned faculty. 
Well, it's it's a really interesting area. So how did how did we get there? I mean, I remember in earlier days that you had the predictably left, uh, like the Ivy League. Uh, Berkeley in California, a few other schools, Oberlin, were a few schools that were always mentioned as being way out in left field. But the, the most universities, especially big state universities, Penn State, Temple in Philadelphia, uh, Michigan State, you know, so forth, were regarded as more mainstream, middle of the road. So how did we get to where we are today, where it seems that higher ed is overly dominated by these uh, pro-communist, pro-socialist sources. Well, the, the, the source of this is, is quite clear. The rot began in earnest about two decades ago, and it comes out of um, the education schools on, on the college campuses, which are universally considered the, the, boot, the buck privates, the bottom feeders of, of higher education with good reason. Um, <laughs> but about two decades ago, the, the folks in the higher education, in the uh, education schools came up with a brilliant idea. I have to give credit where credit is due. This is a brilliant idea. They said, let us create advanced degrees and call them these, these um, vague names, higher education administration, educational leadership, student affairs. Let's create these advanced degrees and then create jobs on the college campuses that for which these degrees will prepare you. And so it began this way about two decades ago, that education schools began generating these graduate degrees and these graduates of these education programs to fill these slots in the universities uh, and, and the colleges. Now, you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is that education schools were long ago permeated with um, crypto-Maoist um, philosophy and ideology. I say crypto-Maoist, and I mean that very clearly, and I mean that uh, literally. Uh, in the guise of uh, Paulo Freire, who was a uh, Brazilian crypto-Maoist philosopher who wrote a book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed in 1970. This is the, the virtual Bible of education schools. Now, Paulo Freire was not a, an original thinker. He got most of his stuff direct from Mao Zedong's educational theory. Look at the time frame we're talking about here. This is the period of the Cultural Revolution in, in China. And virtually everyone on the left, who was anyone, wanted to be a Maoist. Uh, and Paulo Freire was no different. So the education school people said, aha, we can't say Mao. We can't say that. But what we can do is we can latch on to this third world Brazilian educator by the name of Paulo Freire, who's really a crypto Maoist, and we can import his doctrine into the colleges and universities, into, well, basically into our education programs. And now we have these programs whereby we teach these doctrines to teachers, sending those teachers down to the uh, secondary schools and primary uh, schools, but also sending now graduate students and graduate degree holders into the bureaucracy in the universities. So where you know, the universities really ignore the education school and what we have to say, but now they can't because the bureaucrats um, are all educated, most of them are educated in our own programs. And this is how the education schools have exerted uh, control over the bureaucracy far out of proportion as to what one ought, uh, would otherwise expect. So that's the source of this. Now this accelerated in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd and this was an opportunity, and a leftist, whatever you may, else you may say about them, they never let an opportunity go to pass. And these opportunists latched onto this and said, hey, we know there's no racism on college, well, there's very little racism, if any, on college campuses as Randall Kennedy, Harvard's Randall Kennedy said, you know, universities are the least racist places in America. 
But what we can do, we being the education uh, bureaucrats, we can say, hey, we need to institute anti-racism programs here on our campus to fight racism, even though there's really hardly any racism uh, worthy of the word. And we can expand our bureaucracy, we can extend our control. And the most insidious part of this is the vehicle by which they've been doing this is the anti-racist task force. Now, if you look at these anti-racist task force reports, all of them, virtually all of them, call for the institution of an academic freedom committee, which is composed of some faculty and you know, diversity, equity, inclusion people, anti-racist people, bureaucrats to oversee the faculty, the curriculum, the syllabi, uh, and research, and determine what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Now, all of this is fact. It's all in the public record, and I chronicle all of this in my in my book, Brutal Minds, which is which is forthcoming, and which should really make me very popular on the college campus. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's move to our question number three. Uh, so what do we do as human beings? I'm a parent, I'm a grandparent. Yeah. Um, I, I want my kids to get the three R's. And one of the things that's gotten kind of lost in the, in, in, the, uh, in the current mess is that we've seemed to have lost the focus, especially in K through 12 of basic education. And as they say in the old fashioned days, reading, writing, arithmetic, which of course is don't begin with ours, but we'll work from there. And uh, so how do we as members of the community and taxpayers get things back on track? Well, uh, there are a number of stakeholders uh, that with different, you know, uh, different uh, venues of, in which they operate and with different tools of leverage um, uh, that are available to them. students, for instance, parents, donors, alumni, people, faculty like myself and some staff. Uh, students are the, at the basic level, the basic unit, and these are the students who are being abused, who are being targeted by what is called anti-racist uh, ideology, uh, which is hardly anti-racist in, in any sense of the word. In fact, it's a, uh, the codification of paranoia into a conspiracy theory, and it's being propagated and forced on students, staff, and faculty in the form of diversity, equity, and inclusion training, which utilizes, and I'm, I don't say this lightly, utilizes psychological manipulation techniques, behavior modification techniques, and coercive persuasion, because otherwise no one would accept the doctrine uh, that's on offer. It has to be pushed and it has to be carefully curated so no, no contending, no, the contending uh, ideas are introduced into the workshop space. Students can recognize uh, when they're being you know, targeted with this sort of thing by when they're invited or told to go to a workshop that talks, use, utilizes language like uh, di difficult dialogues and courageous conversations, brave spaces, safe spaces. This is the lingo that tells you you're moving into a threat situation and uh, a situation where psychological manipulation and behavior modification will be inflicted on you. Students should be on the lookout for that. And I will tell you, these workshops violate, usually violate, typically violate civil rights, uh, Title IX, Title VII, and basic uh, human rights and protections as codified in the, codified in the uh, uh, federal regulations on uh, protections on well, human experimentation. If a student is told to go to one of these workshops and is not offered informed consent form to sign saying, hey, what's going to happen in here? Uh, and you're not offered, you don't have to go. 
And if you, if you are offered this and you do sign it and you go in there, I would suggest that you record everything that, was, that, that, that is told to you, um, that is um, offered. And so the, for, for later on vetting, uh, if there's anything that, um, uh, if you're attacked, so to speak, if you're attacked, if you're um, attacked because of your skin color. And I will say that this is, uh, I, if I can use a moment to get into the, to the, the basics of it, the, idea, the, the ideas that are being propagated here is that you are a villain or a victim by virtue of superficial characteristics, your skin color, uh, where you were born, how, you know, where you've lived, and that is non-negotiable. That's when you walk into the room. Um, and if you do not accept that, then you are labeled a resistor and right. you will be targeted for, for additional, uh, additional attention. So that's the student situation. Parents need to understand that basically bureaucrats on the college campus despise parents. Uh, they say this to themselves when they think that no one is listening. It's in their literature. They think that parents are toxic, that um, they don't want the helicopter parents. You've heard that term. They don't yeah. want you hanging around. They don't want you asking questions. Well, I would say ask lots of questions and be specific and don't take the bureaucrats vague aspirational language as being what's actually happening on the college campus. Uh, a good measure of this is that what happens, uh, you know, there's what's, what's called a parent's portal whereby the uh, schools will talk to the parents and let them know what's happening. Virtually nothing of worth goes on that parent's portal. My, my measure of something is whether it's toxic or not, is if it's not something that's going to appear on a parent's portal and you know it never will, this probably shouldn't be on the college campus to, be, to begin with. That um, sounds like a, sounds like a, a, a promising uh, direction. And I, I think we do have some encouraging signs. I think uh, Glenn Youngkin's uh, election yeah. as governor of Virginia is, is a sign of that, the 500 parents that showed up at the Loudoun County School Board meeting. Yep. So I, I, and I think, it, you know, we're, we're, this will probably air after the election, but, uh, you know, with the upcoming election, I think it's going to be a message that it's time to chill out and, and get things back to a more normal basis. That doesn't mean the discussion needs to end. It just means the discussion needs to be a whole lot more balanced and we need to stop this blame game, victimizing, and, and a lot of what's uh, what's going on. Well, we're definitely looking forward to your book. Um, Dr. Ridgely, tell our audience how they can get more information about you. Oh, well, you can go to my website, which is the same name as my book, BrutalMinds.com. That's www.BrutalMinds.com. You can see all about the book, see my other writings on the issue. You can order the book from there. It, the book is being published by Humanix. Uh, books and it's out March 21st, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, of any uh, any other of these uh, popular uh, sites. We're all everywhere fine books are found. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being our guest today on Saving America. This is Dr. David D. Shine, and thank you our audience for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite platform. <laughs>